As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Bites of Health, where we hope to take a bite out of your parent worries each day with sound advice and guidance. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. I'm Dr. Jess Steyer, a public health scientist, and today I'm joined by our amazing pediatrician bestie, Dr. Anthony Porto. Hello, Anthony. Hi, Jess. How are you today? All right. Well, today we are going to talk about abdominal pain. The clock is ticking, so let's get to it. So abdominal pain in infants can be challenging to identify. So what are some of the common signs that parents should look for, Anthony? Well, you know, it's really difficult, right? Because infants can't verbally express pain, right? So you may notice increased fussiness, changes in bowel movements. Maybe they're sleeping a little bit differently or they're eating a little bit differently and they may just look uncomfortable. Okay. So that is helpful. There are various reasons for abdominal pain in infants, I would imagine. One common cause is colic. Can we talk a little bit about colic? (laughs) Sure. I mean, I think this is a common question we get from parents. So it's really characterized by increased fussiness or crying that lasts for more than three hours and three times a week. But to a parent, it seems like it's constant, right? And it usually starts a few weeks after birth and it tends to resolve by the time the baby's around three months old. And it's important to note that kids with colic tend to have good periods in between, are growing well, and otherwise are healthy. So if a parent suspects that their baby has colic, what are some of the things that they could do to soothe them? So one of the things that even though the cause of colic is unclear, we think it may be due to the crying leading to them to swallow air, and that can make them gassy and even more uncomfortable. There's not one exact treatment though. Parents can try swaddling their child. They can use a sound machine for white noise. They can hold them, rock them. Sometimes dimming the lights can work and giving a warm bath. But really what's important is if the caregiver feels like they need a break, they should take a break because it can be very stressful, especially during early infancy, if this happens. Yeah, the caregiver is the one who needs the dimming lights, the warm bath, Exactly. (laughs) So another common issue of tummy pain is excess gas, which, fun fact, in my household, we call putt-putts. So how can parents help their babies with gas discomfort? I think the first thing is gas is normal. And really, in infancy, you can really try to reduce excess gas by avoiding feeding a baby too frantically, by using the anti-reflux bottles that can take away some of those extra gas bubbles, burping before, during, or after feeding can be helpful, and encouraging tummy time, which also allows children to pass gas on their own. All right. So moving on, milk protein allergy is another potential cause of abdominal pain. Can we talk about this? This is something that we do see. It's relatively common in infants, and it's really due to a milk protein intolerance due to how the body um, responds 
to the cow's milk and causes an immune response. It really um, can be associated also with an intolerance to other proteins like soy. And the diagnosis is really based on kids who have pain with feeding. They may have reflux symptoms, vomiting. And the most common thing we think about is blood or mucus in the stool. So if a baby has a milk protein allergy, what steps should parents take? I think the biggest thing is that it's removing the thing that's insulting the body, right? So milk and soy elimination would be key. If mom is breastfeeding, they should eliminate these proteins from their diet. Sometimes if they're formula fed, you need to have what's called a medically specialty formula, which is one where the proteins are pre-digested. But most children will outgrow this by a year and will be able to tolerate milk and soy in its normal form thereafter. So another common concern is infant constipation. What should we do if we suspect that our baby is constipated? I think in infancy, the first thing to think about is whether they're getting enough hydration. Are they getting enough breast milk or formula. So really understanding what that volume looks like and are they do they look hydrated? Are they having the right number of wet diapers? So we, once they're starting solids, we can then think about high fiber foods. And these are the pea fruits. We always think about prunes, papaya, peaches, plums, apricots are the ones we really think are going to be the most helpful. And then parents should then consult their pediatrician if there's warning signs like blood in the stool or if they haven't stooled for more than a week. All right, so moving on to more serious conditions, pyloric stenosis is a blockage between the stomach and the small intestine. What are the symptoms and how is it treated? So this usually happens in the first two months of life. Typically, we think between six weeks and eight weeks of life. What it is, is that the muscle thickens so it doesn't allow food to pass. So kids will present with vomiting, not the normal spit up we normally think with kids, but actually vomiting that is projectile. They may not be gaining weight well. They may be dehydrated, and even hungry after feeds. The way we diagnose it is with an ultrasound that confirms that that muscle is thick and it requires surgical repair. All right, there's another condition and I'm worried I'm mispronouncing it, so correct me if I'm wrong, intussusception. So what are the symptoms and how is it treated? What happens here is that the, te the intestines telescopes on itself, so it slides into itself. And this can cause a blockage. So the most common signs are intense abdominal pain, vomiting. You may see some abdominal distension or swelling. And after a while, it can lead to bloody stools. This is one of those things that is a medical emergency. You really need to be seen in the emergency room where they can run certain radiologic studies like an ultrasound or a contrast study where they put dye so they can evaluate that that telescope is there and then repair it. What about GI infections? How are bacterial and viral GI infections treated? For the most part, infants are going to have viral infections. And these symptoms would include vomiting, diarrhea, fever. You may occasionally also have blood in stool for, for viral infections. That is really just treating the symptoms, making sure your kids are hydrated and usually controlling the fevers. Bacterial infections are less common, but they may require antibiotics. If your child has these symptoms, you're pediatrician may check stool tests and then would decide on treatment thereafter. So finally, reflux and GERD, G-E-R-D, can contribute to abdominal discomfort. What can parents do to help babies with reflux or GERD? I think the most important thing is distinguish it. Almost every kid will have some form of reflux. So these are the spitting kids who spit up with, with feeds. And what you can do is try to feed them smaller meals, give them smaller volumes at one time, keep them up right after feeds, and avoid overfeeding. Most of this will resolve by, get better by four to five months, and resolve by a year. 
For GERD, that's where medication may be needed. These are the kids who are having pain with feeding, who are also not gaining weight well or who are not feeding well, and um, they may require medications. So to speak to your pediatrician if your child has any of these signs. All right. Well, I learned something. We hope you learned something, and we have lots more to share. You can get your bite of health every day, Monday through Friday. If you like what you've heard here, let us know. Leave us a review on Apple and be sure to tell your friends. Remember, there is no single or best way to parent. Parenting is a journey and we are all just doing our very best. We wish you happy, healthy, and stress-free parenting. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? then the Sleep Cove podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night.